0: A good conversation can shift the direction of change forever. Would you leave it to chance? Join the authors of Design to Change and explore this series of conversations with designers and event owners. Driven by the need and conversations with event owners and event designers who use the event canvas around the world, this series explores the depths of conversations to elevate your abilities to look and act beyond the now. Episodes are hosted by Rud Janssen, Rolf Riesen, Dennis Lehrer, and Paul Rukens, with illustrious changemakers, designers, and pioneers in the field of design and beyond. To explore these conversations and additional content, visit designtochange.online. For now, let's start the conversation.
1: Here we are. IMAX 2023, 23rd of May, that's a lot of 23s. Too many. What associations do you have with 23? Daniel Scheffler, without maps,
0: you are thrown into the deep end with the number 23. What happens in your brain? Let me tell you, when I was 23, I was a fucking lunatic. (laughs) So all I can think about is being 23 again. I mean, I feel eternally 18 in some ways, but maybe I'm always 23. I finished university and I was like, I'm ready for the world. And... I pretended like I knew everything. Recently, I was with a friend. He's German. So German. We were in Berlin together, and he was like, well, when you were 23, you just, like, faked everything. You thought you were so good at everything. You knew nothing. He was so straightforward with me, and it and it stuck with me. I thought, what an asshole. How dare he say this to me? My best friend. He loves me. I love him. Thank you. And it was interesting because I thought, yeah, at 23... I really, truly knew nothing. When you come out of university, you think, oh, I have all these ideas. I, I know how to change the world. I can, do it all. I can do it all. And in fact, you know absolutely nothing. And I was arrogant, right? I was privileged and arrogant. So 23 is not something I want again. I had Botox a while ago because I thought, oh, God, look at my face. I'm getting so old. I had Botox. I hated it. It was terrible. Um, and even even looking 23 is doesn't seem as appealing to me anymore but anyway one time Botox only because I realized no the point of being 39 is you look wiser <laughs> you know I've laughed my face shows that I've traveled to 140 countries my face shows that so does my passport but you know uh, uh. and I think 23 the other connotation I have with 23 is recently I was just telling you I did 23 and me which is the genetic testing mm-hmm. and turns out I'm more Dutch turns out I'm more Beneluxian um, plus French than what I thought I was right like my ancestry is sort of there and I was sort of thinking about it I grew up in South Africa a little bit and then Europe as I say born in South Africa bred in Europe and now I choose to live in America Mm -hmm. for my sins and my husband (laughs) but yeah I was sort of thinking about am I Belgian could I be Belgian the sleeper country of Europe right and and I liked it. My 23andMe also um told me that I am likely to live forever. Basically. And I like that. And I had more Pacific Islander than I thought I would be. Now i tell you something funny about 23andMe, I gave my in-laws a and my husband's family, I gave them all 23andMe kits for one Christmas. And everyone did the tests, and then we were all back together again on New Year's Day. Mm -hmm. And I printed everyone's things out, and we were going to do it together, and everyone's going to look at the, you know, like what the results were. And my husband's Italian. They're from, his mother's from Naples, his father's from Sicily. They're Italian. New Jersey, Italian. Mm -hmm. Italian. 100% Italian. If you ask them, are you Italian? 100%. 100%. We're Italian. Of course, we're Italian. Right. So the results came, and they opened it up. And they were 60% Italian. And Michael's mother was 50% Italian.
1: Well, not 51%,
0: 50. No, 50% Italian. And they were. Everyone paused and then they said. We will not speak of this. If anyone asks, <laughs> we will not tell them. Yet now it's on the podcast. Yes, now it's on the podcast. Oh I've brought this up out on into stage. The yeah, yeah. I brought this up on stage many times. I talk about it all the time. Of yeah. course. Yeah. They don't listen to anything I talk about. But yeah, that's um, those are my twenty threes that's come up. Yeah. 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 Do you like those? I do. and
1: I also find it fascinating that people want to analyze their own DNA and have conversations about it with others right. know, in search of ancestry right. and of roots and origin.
0: Yeah. Um, I'm an adopted kid. Um, I was adopted when I was a baby. Mm-hmm. I don't know my father and I met my birth mother uh, later in life mm-hmm. and she's told me very little about her ancestry. She has a Portuguese last name. She married a South African man who's not my father. and. Uh, she's first generation South African, so to me, twenty three and me was interesting because where that I come from, where do the know? threads come yeah. together? Right. And in a way, like it's important to sort of understand that to see where you're going, right? Like, what does that mean? And and then, of course, the other part of the twenty three and me is the medical side, right? Like, are you susceptible to all these things? Um, I have a friend who picked up on her twenty three and me that she's whatever more likely to have breast cancer and then she in fact had stage 2 breast cancer at that exact moment so she thinks it saved her life I'm sure they're using that data for terrible things at the same time (laughs) I'm sure they're cloning me right now taking Uh, the best parts of me I'm sure but no problem no problem
1: (laughs) well I know one thing for sure is there's no screen between us, I see you in the flesh, I look into you, the whites of your eyes. I also know that on the on the drive over from Basel here to Frankfurt, which normally takes three hours and there was a four and a half hour delay that I didn't mind because I was listening to your podcast oh, fantastic. Uh, everywhere. Uh, also if people look at your badge, you know, badges are ridiculous things but they apparently say something about you. Um,
0: on your badge it says without maps. Right. Right? Why? Well, actually interesting. I. I had a show um, for a while with iHeart radio called everywhere uh, then pandemic sort of slowed that down and I'm working on a new show uh, sort of lose yourself to find yourself type of travel show mm-hmm. and part of my philosophy was like you know in the in the voice of in the opposite voice of Rick Steves, I always felt like no no leave the map leave the guidebook just go and explore yeah. so I love maps, maps are beautiful, It's you know, I'm, cartography is just a fabulous thing, but my inspiration and to kind of part of the philosophy that I try and tell people is like, yeah, you don't need the map, you'll get there and sometimes you won't, but that's the adventure, right? Like, yeah. I was in Lisbon and Portugal for the weekend, in uh, Porto, mm-hmm. and my friend who was with me, she she and I were just getting lost in the streets of Porto. it's a tiny little town eventually we'll get to some coffee shop and eventually she'll drink more port and everything will be fine but if we're so stuck to the map and so concerned about where we're going we're missing so much of the adventure and of course when i let the map go all this crazy shit happens to me right like all the time and that's that's kind of my philosophy for travel. And then, you know, people say to me all the time, they're like, oh, but it's not practical. And it's, I find it scary or I can't always do that. Yeah, of course. It doesn't mean you have to always do that. It just means like it's more of a philosophy. And when you can, leave your phone and, and see what happens. Right. And, and of course, there's situations that need safety concerns. But New York City is laid out as a grid system. It's very hard to get lost. When people walk to me in New York and I'm like, and they say, oh, I'm lost. I'm like, How? Just follow the fucking numbers. Like, whatever. <laughs> Picking the avenue. But that's one of the best things about New York. You can just walk. Eventually, you'll get to a river. And eventually, if you turn around, you'll get to another river. And that seems okay. You can't right? fall off the islands. Yeah, you can't fall off. I mean, maybe. But um, maybe I have. Um, I've spent a lot of time in California, and I'm missing New York so much. We, we split our time between the both cities. Um, and I miss New York desperately. My husband's there right now and I was like, oh, I miss it. I haven't been for weeks. It's, <laughs> it's, I'm an addict, you know, I'm a Manhattan addict. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like I think my philosophy started, my my, um, my, parents were big travelers when we were young and and my parents were, you know, that was pre-internet, right? So it was the 80s and they were traveling and we were European so we were allowed even during sanctions to leave South Africa and go and travel yeah. the world and my parents loved that and I... Yeah, I, I, I watched my mother explore things in that way, and she's not the most adventurous person. But even her, she was she was able to do it without a map and sort of see what 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 happens, what what adventure follows. And um, my husband, who's much 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 less intrepid than I am, he panics, and then when he lets go, and he just walks the streets of whatever Puglia, some little town, Monopoly, and in, in Puglia where he loves. Yeah, we find some trattoria, we eat the best meal of our lives, and it was unplanned, and we didn't look at the, the reviews, and this is the very opposite of like the Rick Steves model, right, where which is very American uh, centric, where they they want you to stick to this sort of way of going and being, and, and I respect that. It's just not my way. Right?
1: Well, I think every truth has that opposite truth. And, yes. Um, yes. You know, um, I, I'm 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 fascinated. I was literally two weeks ago I was back in Amsterdam um, just for a day and it was one of those gorgeous Saturdays in Amsterdam oh I know those days where the canals are full of little boats and too many tourists are stumbling upon each other finding that Instagram spot where the line for french fries as they don't call them in that country but Flemish is where we would think they were from Um, and being ridiculed for trying to Cut the line, me not even knowing there is a line, you know, right. to the place where, you know, thirty years ago as a trainee I was walking around to get to my place and it was the same friterie. Oh yeah. These experiences also show the, the two opposites of the scale. Yeah. Um, I need a recommendation.
0: Oh, right.
1: So Um, I know that your travels are without maps when you can choose to do that. Right. I also know that your podcast has over 2 million downloads and uh, the New York Times from time to time, you know, puts you on the front uh, Uh travel section Uh uh, commentaries because you have a way of discovering things that others don't. Right. What are some of the most unusual things that you would recommend people to do uh, when traveling? So we're delivering an EDC program in Bangkok in the second week of July. Great. And I've got two and a half spare weeks and my daughter, who's 24, Great. decided to join me
0: and we're going to go to a Southeast Asian adventure. Great. How would you approach that? Take some shorts. <laughs> it's going to be hot. <laughs> um, I'm sure there's some drugs going to be involved, so get ready for that. Um, I would... I love Bangkok. I've had wild, wild nights in Bangkok. There's a, this sort of Blade Runner feeling to that city that, mm-hmm. that I love. It's an electricity that I, that I find... Um, Delightful. Mm-hmm. But if you want to get out of there, I would go to Lao. I would go to my favorite place, Lang Prabang. It's this sort of funny idea that you could discover this place because it's so off the usual track of um where people go. People go to Vietnam, right? And they go to Thailand. Um I don't know why that is. I guess that they were, maybe it's a flight routing situation, but hmm. you fly into Lamprabang. Um, one of the most magical things I've ever done there is you wake up very early in the morning and they have an giving, and you sit on the side of the road and with some rice and you sort of sit in a meditation. I did this with the Amantaka mm-hmm. and you watch, you know, the sun's barely up and you're uncaffeinated and there's that smokiness from the temples. And then you see this orangey glow of monks starting to walk in the streets. And they come to get alms. They come and get food from a bowl. I mean, I'm, in a way I'm, I'm tearing up because it, it's so meaningful. Like you, you're sharing a moment with someone in such an intimate, beautiful way. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because you're giving them food, but they're giving you all the things, the things about silence. You're sitting in this total silence in a country that's not mine, trying to understand what, what life is about, right? It's about giving and taking and not one or the other, right? That's that beautiful exchange. And then um, they touch their hearts as, as, as you give them, and as they receive, and the other way around, they touch their hearts, right? And suddenly you're just connected to this human this human with the shaved head and this beautiful saffron robe you're just one and that's that's the stuff that I would go do I mean people ask me for rec- recommendations of course all the time and I uh, I'm sometimes a sassy bitch about it but um, <laughs> and I'll say something rude but sometimes I, I think it's there, there's like a moment like this where like yeah go do that it's so beautiful um, or go and I, I love the very northern part of Thailand, Chiang, uh, Chiang Mai, Chiang Rai, and go volunteer with the elephants, right? Washing the elephants, spending time with um, tea country, very northern Thailand. It's so beautiful. Um, and then the other recommendation I have is get some drugs. <laughs> I mean, you're <laughs> Dutch, You you understand. And go party in Bangkok. Yeah, I've done that and found myself like, waking up in the Peninsula Hotel where they have a fax machine. <laughs> Back it's, in the yeah. day. No, they still have <laughs> oh, it. They still, they still have, have it. it. Yeah. they like... <laughs> when you check into the Peninsula in um, in Bangkok, they say... They give you all the benefits of staying in the Peninsula and then they'll say, like... Oh, not, and we have a fax machine. And I'm like, who the fuck am I faxing? And then, of course, I use it. I send a fax to, like, my mother, yeah. who's like, oh, my mother still has a fax machine. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I... Um, I mean, you probably don't want to get arrested in, with drugs in Bangkok, but it's worth, it's worth thinking about. <laughs> yeah.
1: so, the, so, the human nature of bringing yourself in a state of, of transport, right? Or, right. I was just talking to Tahira, the person who connected us, who oh, was yes. just on our podcast uh, uh, last week. Uh, um, um, today, we have a technical glitch, she said. I think it's not a technical glitch. I think it's actually an experience. Right. The time zone seems to flicker between one hour back and oh, forth this in to this you? very hall.
0: Yeah, everybody's happened this too. Oh, I, I love it.
1: How cool is that? Yeah, right? I thought it was cool. Time travel is now incorporated into yeah. Hall Nine in
0: Frankfurt. right I so love how,
1: how can you get technically challenged and not use that as an exploration of
0: time? Yes, I mean, right? this. Exp- I had the experience. My phone did it, and I immediately started thinking about time and how I process it and yeah. living in so many different time zones yeah. yeah,
1: I think the design of time is one of the things that has an endless fascination I also have a design um, or I have a fascination for analog time which oh, right. means that right. you know it's only wrong when you stop moving right. so moving right. is the key ingredient right. to right. to the it's automatic movement uh, you know, keeping you at least in time for taking whatever right.
0: plane you need to take at some time I know that's the thing you need you still need it somebody once interviewed for a job with me I opened a shop in uh, California during the pandemic, and she interviewed for a job there. She was going to be the shopkeeper, and uh, she had a two o'clock interview, and since I own the shop, she interviewed with me. So at three o'clock, this human walks in, and she says, I'm here for an interview. Uh, I said, oh, I don't know about an interview. She said, yeah, I was here for an interview for two o'clock. I said, oh, well, it's three now, so you must be a different person, because... And she was like, Oh well, I didn't look at the time. I was looking at the time on my clock on my car and I was like, I cannot hire a human that's not looking at the right time. I cannot hire someone to be the event I mean, to be the organizer of my retail store if you cannot even look at the correct time. So I was I was brutal. Brutal, brutal about time. So there are moments where time is so important like that. Like I'm going to trust you to run the Shopify, but you can't even look at the correct time. Forget it. But there are times where I'm like, I just want to forget about time. My husband and I do that a lot. We have a no phone policy or a no phone moment and, mm-hmm. and we just put it away and we try and forget about time. And, um, because it's so precious there's so little of it yeah, yeah no I'm, yeah. I'm about to turn 40 next year I'll be 40 it's like halfway mark almost in yeah. a sense in it's a sense it feels like a halfway mark twice as old as IMAX oh yeah twice as old as IMAX exactly IMAX is just 20 Ryan, youngster youngster <laughs> um, and time is interesting like that like what do I I feel turning like almost turning 40 feels like nothing and everything all at the same time Weird. So
1: age is important to you?
0: I think only because I'm turning 40, right? Because it's like a number. Like, I remember when 40 was old. No, I don't care about being old. But I, I think what I do think about is like, you think about how important time is to me. And I used to waste it as a, when I was young. And now, I mean, people invite me to a dinner. I'm like, who's going? And it sounds rude, but I'm like, I don't want to spend time with people I don't like or people that are not that interesting. I don't want to go do some stupid thing. I only want to do stuff that feels meaningful because there is not enough time. My friend Mary always says, "Um, I don't even get to spend time with the people I want to spend time with. Why would I spend it with people that I don't really you know, need to spend time with? And that's true. I think COVID taught us that, right? Because there was such endless time. How do I fill all this time? And then we came out of that and time started getting structured again. And now I feel like, oh, wait, I want that, that feeling of like, I'm doing meaningful things in a meaningful time way. Like spending time with my husband. He's very sweet. For the first time, I mean, he married the fucking tribal writer. <laughs> he knew what he was getting into. I mean, I married into the mob. So like, I knew what I was getting into. But um, it's interesting for the first time in our relationship, we've been together for nine years, married for eight. He was like, you're traveling too much without me there's too much time where we're not together fuck he's never said that to me and I immediately said I've cancelled three trips I will see you on Wednesday right like because yes he is also he's younger than I am but he's also thinking about time he's thinking about our time together and how precious that is yeah. and yeah. we have such busy lives I'm working on a TV show I'm working on a new podcast I'm writing I'm traveling I'm doing all this stuff and he's got he runs a health food company called Organic Pharma with a PH um, and yeah there's so much time spent on this stuff yeah. that all the other time has to be spent on love
1: do you, do you travel better alone or oh that's such with a, your husband? I
0: fucking love that question that's such a good question well truthfully it's very different when i travel alone i am talking to everyone trying to get everyone's stories i'm a whore i like just try do it all right and the minute i hit a town i'm out on the town till four in the morning i'm partying i'm doing whatever drugs i'm doing whatever anything and everything i'm doing it all mm-hmm. and when i'm with him we're, like, cozying up watching Netflix in some fancy hotel at 9 p.m. Uh, we met, like, a very uh, well-known, I mean, like, a celebrity human in New Orleans once at a bar. It's very famous. And it was, like, 8 p.m. And he looked at me, and I looked at him, and I was like, oh, okay, so we're going to go. And she was like, what, Wait, like, where are you going? And we were like, We're going to watch Golden Girls in bed in our lovely hotel. And she was like, Can I come? And we were like, No. you're so boring like you know just because you're famous doesn't mean you're interesting at all (laughs) but um, so traveling with Michael is very different he does not he gets anxious about travel in a way that I do not Mm -hmm. he when we arrive somewhere he needs to go straight to the hotel Um, no stops no coffee stops no pee stops straight to the hotel so he can recover and be alone he's an introvert Um, being around humans drains him where it does the opposite for me and travel with him. Oh, he is the princess. It's <laughs> like he doesn't want to go if he's not in business class. Yeah. He doesn't want to go if it's not the Aman, right? He's like, why must it needs to be better than home? Otherwise, it's why not worth it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, I took him to Japan for a gorgeous two-week holiday in September, and he was so blown away seeing his face. It was his first time, like tenth, and seeing his face and exploring Japan. He is someone who, who, um, who travels. His mother warned me when I married him. She said, oh, he's not a good traveler. Not a good traveler. And he's not. But he tries and he does love it. Once he's there and he's getting into it, he loves it. But it's funny getting him there. Oh, fuck, it's a whole thing. Um, and, yeah, like, it's, it's interesting because he, he doesn't have prejudice for a place. Like, if I ask him right now, if I call him, he's in New York. If I call him right now and I say to him, what do you think Frankfurt's like? It's would well, I don't know. There's no context. He doesn't contextualize pre-going. He just, he's open to whatever. And he'll come and he'll just experience it for what it is. Um, even Paris. The first time I took him to Paris, I was like, what do you think it's going to be like? And he was like, oh, I don't think like that. I just go to Paris and see what it's like. But isn't that interesting? That's such a beautiful lesson. Okay. Because people have these... Um, yeah, they have these very big ideas. They have these preconceived um, sort of expectations of what a place should be like. Oh, Paris is like the postcard. Or Paris is like amelie. Or Paris is yeah. a baguette. And they chase that. Oh,
1: yeah. Sentiment. Yeah, right? yeah of course. It's, uh, it's. Yeah. It's almost somebody else's context that yeah. you then fall into. Yeah. It's inauthentic. Which isn't. Which isn't. Is it's an interesting thought because part of what event design tries to do is to assess. Um, to assess what would be the ideal conditions right. for a series of behavior changes right. which sounds very cold and technical right. to occur or to take place when a series of stakeholders are together right. based on the prefrontal cortex future visioning of a series of people that right. design together to get it less wrong right? because there's always a
0: marginal error
1: uh, there's a significant error in what we think something can be to what it actually is. Right. right? Um, so it tries to create a context that's conducive to whatever behavior changes you're trying to instill, um, which almost implies that a team of people can actually come up with that. Yeah. Right. And coming up with a future state of a group of people, um, It's actually really hard, but it's also super fascinating because you can dream up just about anything. Yeah. Because I also know that in the events industry, for instance, you you go to Hall 8, just across Hall 9, there is a supply chain there that can build, create just about anything that your narrative crazy self or team of people can come up with.